Have you ever wondered why exactly it is that things usually sound better at home than they do on stage, in auditions, or even in lessons? It's easy to chalk it up to nerves or assume that you just have to practice more or get more performance experience. And sure, those things certainly are part of the puzzle, but a lot of times that's not really the true root cause. If you've been confused by the inconsistency of your performances, I put together a free four-minute quiz called the Mental Skills Audit, which will help you pinpoint your mental strengths and weaknesses and figure out what exactly to adjust and tweak in your preparation for more consistently optimal performances. You can take the Mental Skills Audit online at bulletproofmusician.com MSA. That's MSA for Mental Skills Audit. And again, it's 100% free, and it'll take just four minutes to get your results emailed to you as a PDF. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. Ever wonder why it is that you can play a tricky passage perfectly five times out of five at home, but on stage, the one time you need to get it right, things become a lot more hit or miss? It can be tempting to redouble your efforts and aim for 10 perfect repetitions out of 10, or try to keep the notes in your fingers by playing the tricky passages over and over while warming up before a concert, or continue to play silently backstage until the very last moment before you walk on stage. It can feel like being that guy on TV who keeps all the plates spinning up in the air, scrambling frantically from one to the next, trying to touch each one every few seconds to make sure nothing comes crashing down. Of course, it's exhausting to try to keep all those plates spinning indefinitely, and you don't have the time or energy to practice everything in multiples of 10 consecutive perfect repetitions, whatever that means anyway. So the good news is that you don't have to run frantically from plate to plate. It turns out there's a way to tweak how you practice that could help you play more accurately and with greater consistency when it really matters. And what might that be? Well, learning can be a rather curious thing, right? Have you ever gone into an exam thinking that you knew the material only to discover in horror that you didn't know nearly as much as you thought? It can be the same thing in the practice room. The rapid improvement you hear when learning a new skill by repeating the same passage over and over is deceptive. We have a tendency to confuse the rate of acquisition, or how fast we improve during practice, with learning. A better measure of learning is how much of that skill is still retrievable an hour, a day, or week after a practice session. We've explored several key practice strategies that can help increase this kind of stable learning in previous episodes, like deliberate practice versus mindless repetition, or interleaved or random practice versus blocked practice. A third paradigm is variable versus constant practice. One of the classic studies in this area compared two groups of eight-year-olds who practiced tossing beanbags to targets at various distances over the course of 12 weeks. One group practiced tossing beanbags to a target three feet away. This was the constant practice group. The other group practiced tossing beanbags to targets two feet away and four feet away, and this was the variable practice group. At the end of the study, when the kids were tested on their ability to hit the three-foot target, the ones who practiced from two and four feet but never from three feet actually demonstrated significantly greater accuracy on the final test than those who practiced at three feet the entire time. Was this just some sort of weird fluke? 
Actually, no. Subsequent studies have replicated such results and suggest that practicing the same skill over and over in exactly the same way does help to improve your performance during practice, but really just creates the illusion of rapid learning. Meanwhile, if you want to demonstrate a high level of skill and mastery when it's time to perform and develop skills that are more long-lasting, practicing multiple variations of the same skill, like louder, softer, with more or less vibrato, and so on, is the more effective strategy, even if you may not appear to improve quite as rapidly during practice. Because ultimately, this variable practice approach appears to create more robust motor programs, which will enable you to be more flexible and play your best whether the acoustics are drier than you expected, or the pianist is playing slower than they did in rehearsal, or your hands are freezing cold. Okay, but how robust are these gains really? As in how long do the benefits of variable practice last? In a 2006 study, 32 college students were asked to practice shooting free throws. Everyone started by taking a shooting test to establish a baseline of their shooting abilities. Then each participant went through a 90-minute training session where they either shot 160 baskets from the free throw line, that would be the constant practice group, or 160 shots from a number of different positions, which was the variable practice group. And would there be any difference between the groups? Well, when tested immediately after the training session, the constant practice group performed better than the variable practice group, which is no surprise, right? However, the researchers surprised the participants a year later by having them return to the lab for another test. And this time, the results were reversed. Despite not practicing free throws for a year, the participants who took their free throws from a variety of locations a year ago shot more accurately than those who practiced only from the free throw line. So what are we to do with this? Well, one key takeaway is to remember that rapid improvement can be deceptive, and that the progress you appear to make during the acquisition phase of a skill isn't necessarily a reliable indicator of how much deep, durable, retrievable learning is taking place. As Itzhak Perlman once said, things you learn quickly, you forget quickly. Doing lots of repetitions in a row might be satisfying and feel like you're putting in the time and making rapid progress, but don't confuse the temporarily high accessibility of the correct motor program with the underlying habit strength of that motor program. So instead of practicing with a metronome at just one speed, try practicing slower and faster than the target tempo, or louder and softer, with vibrato and without. The goal is a type of practice that neurophysiologist Nikolai Bernstein called repetition without repetition, where you change things slightly from one repetition to the next within a range of variations. Does this make practicing a little more challenging in the moment? Perhaps, but I think that's kind of the point. Because this type of challenge will help you develop skills that can serve you well in any situation, not just when you're playing alone in the familiar comfort of your practice room. Plus, a little challenge can be good. I think you'll find that the particular kind of challenge provided by repetition without repetition actually makes practicing more engaging and more fun than regular old repetition. In fact, if you have difficulty staying focused in the practice room, it can be a sign that your practice strategies aren't keeping you engaged and challenged in the right sorts of ways. And if performances remain inconsistent and unpredictable, even as you're increasing your practice time, this could be related to a practice strategy mismatch as well. So if you've been practicing diligently but haven't seen the kind of progress you'd expect, it's not some personal failing or lack of ability, no matter what that voice in your head says. Try experimenting with strategies like variable practice and see if that starts to change your experience in the practice room and when playing for others. 
To that end, if you'd like to learn how to get more out of your daily practice and play more like yourself in any setting, whether it's lessons, masterclasses, auditions, choir practice, or informal gatherings of family and friends, you may be interested in the live online four-week performance practice course that begins this week. You'll not only learn a bunch of new research-based strategies to help you practice more effectively and perform more confidently, but you'll also be part of a warm and supportive cohort of other learners of all ages and level of ability that will make it easier and maybe even a little fun to do more performance practice in teeny tiny doses. Registration for the last cohort of 2023 closes Monday at 11.59 p.m. Pacific time. You can get all the details and sign up at bulletproofmusician.com essentials. You can find links to this week's study and other related practice hacks at bulletproofmusician.com blog. If you found this episode helpful, please do share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think would also enjoy experimenting with it during the coming week. And if you'd like to explore this sort of thing in more depth, whether it be to get more out of your daily practice or to get better at managing performance pressure and shrinking that gap between what you can do in the practice room and what comes out on stage, you can learn more about the live and self-paced courses that are available at bulletproofmusician.com courses.